And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yo, it's Zach Harper, host of the Basketball Buds, right here on the Athletic NBA Show. Join me and the fellas, Waz, Trey, Jay, and Dave, for a new episode every Monday morning. What's Jay King going to say that lights the podcast on fire? What's that problematic envelope that Waz is going to keep pushing every single Monday? Tune in to find out. That's every Monday morning right here on the Athletic NBA Show. Welcome to the Saturday Slammin' Jam, hosted by Andrew Schlicht with Alex Spears. How about we can just watch basketball? That's a man's jam! I like that idea. Live from Oklahoma. Click, click. With questions and participants from all around the world. Anthony Edwards! Put that on a poster! Whether you're flipping your flapjacks, tending to your yard, or just sipping your coffee, get ready, sit back, relax. It's the Saturday Slammin' Jam. Back is I missed this shot. I walk away. I'm still a chump. Here's Andrew. Welcome to the Saturday Slam and Jam. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. Make sure you go to theathletic.com slash NBA show and get The Athletic for $1 a month. With me, as always, is my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, tell us what happened this week in the NBA. Oh, Andrew, it all began on Friday night when two teams met who were going in opposite directions. The Sacramento Kings, now winners of five of their last six since moving Tyrese Halliburton into the starting lineup, beat the Boston Celtics, who are now losers of their last five, five of their last six. On Saturday, it was a sad night for NBA fans, LaMelo Ball fans, and most importantly, Eric Collins fans. Oh, this is so depressing. LaMelo! In a game against the Clippers, LaMelo came down hard after a layup attempt and suffered a fractured right wrist. The Rookie of the Year favorite had surgery on Tuesday and will be reevaluated in four weeks. On Sunday, Julius Randle hit a clutch corner three to send the Knicks into overtime against the Sixers, but in overtime with 5.3 seconds left, Randle was called for a questionable foul, which was then not reviewed because the ref said Tibbs didn't challenge it quickly enough. Tibbs was miffed. Randall peeved. Knicks lose. <laughs> On Monday night, the Houston Rockets finally ended their 20-game losing streak by beating the Toronto Raptors. The Rockets are back! In the game, John Wall recorded his first triple-double since 2016. On Tuesday night, the Lakers lost their third game in a row after LeBron's high ankle sprain getting blown out by the Pelicans including the game against Atlanta in which LeBron was injured in the first 10 minutes. The Lakers are now 0-5 without LeBron this season. On Wednesday night, I think we all shed a few tears, Andrew, as we watched Kyle Lowry, NBA champion, fan favorite, play his final game as a member of the Toronto Raptors until suiting up for Friday night's game against the Phoenix Suns. A night to remember. <laughs> and finally, Andrew, yesterday was one of the greatest days of the year, the day where you turn on Twitter notifications, spend all morning at work in the bathroom so you can check your phone, all so you can find out about the latest trades maybe 30 minutes before you would have otherwise. It was NBA trade deadline day, Andrew, which brings us to our most interesting thing of the week. It could only be the trade deadline. I actually told Alex he's not allowed to pick anything else because, and so we're just going to make this one big interesting thing of the week. So uh, according to uh, a, a, a well-known newsbreaker, there were 16 trades, 23 teams involved, 46 roster players, which was a really interesting way to, uh, to say it. Uh, it was the most ever in all three categories. It was a big time trade deadline, Alex. It was a blast, and it's amazing that it was such a fun trade deadline day, despite one of the biggest names, the name that we assumed was going to move, Kyle Lowry, nothing happened. Yeah. And it was still great. It was still great. I'm actually kind of glad that he wasn't moved. I think he just he just belongs with the Raptors or the Sixers. And when the Sixers made the George Hill trade, it became very apparent that the Kyle Lowry stuff was over. Right. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so what we are going to do is we are going to have a uh, draft 
of most interesting trades. So, Andrew, I'm going to let you go first. You're going to pick the trade that you thought was the most interesting yesterday, and then I will go. We'll go back and forth, both to see which trades we each thought was most interesting. I think that will be interesting in and of itself. <laughs> but, then we can, but then we can just focus on the things that are really important. Because there were some trades that, frankly, not that interesting yesterday. Yeah, I'm so glad I got to go first because I think the most interesting and most impactful trade yesterday was Aaron Gordon to Denver. And wow, okay. So I one big shouts to Orlando for deciding to do something and Amazing. going going in the correct direction. It would have been some people are like praising them for picking a direction. I'm picking I'm I'm praising them for picking the right direction because they could have like traded for a point guard like how many times have we fake traded a point guard to Orlando like we do it every single year it's like a, it's a fake trade tradition but they did they picked the right direction they're already in the bottom four of the NBA stay there stay there because if they can just add one of these guys to their team like what if they win what if they win the lottery you bring Kate onto that team that's like way more hope than they've had since basically Dwight Howard right yeah, I mean, there were two competing narratives this whole season where Orlando could tell themselves, hey, we're missing two key guys of our core, Jonathan Isaac and Markel Fultz, and also Aaron Gordon was injured for a lot of the season. If we just get all those guys back with Vooch, right. we can be something. And they were also, remember, at the beginning of the season, I think the Magic were the number one seed at one point. They were 6-2. and two. Yeah. Oh, I remember. And they came the into other- OKC hot. Yeah. So that was yeah, so that was one narrative and honestly that was the narrative I thought they were going to go with. But the competing narrative is, you know, we've done this. We've done this for many many years. So we've been on this treadmill. We've been fighting for that 7th or 8th spot every single year. We do like Markel Fultz and Jonathan Isaac, but what about what if we tore this down now and potentially surrounded them with a like megawatt young star in this in this next draft. And I much prefer that narrative. It's great. Hope in Orlando. But that's not why I love this deal. I think this is a great deal for the Nuggets for a lot of reasons. They didn't have to give up that much to get Aaron Gordon. I feel like Denver bought low on Aaron Gordon. I, it didn't take a whole lot to get him. They they dealt Gary Harris, who I think is kind of a negative value contract in itself. And so, I mean, honestly, if if they called the Thunder or the Knicks and said, hey, we, we just need you to take Gary Harris, like what would it take to do that? It would probably take a first rounder or it would take right. a young guy. So they went ahead and did that. And then they really only had to give up one additional asset. So I think the deal is so great for them. They get to keep basically everybody. They get to continue to develop guys like Jamal Murray, who is possibly a guy that could have been dealt. I've talked to people... Um, not that they would want to, but maybe they should trade him. But no, they get to continue to develop him. They get to continue to develop Michael Porter Jr. I, I think it's a great deal for them. And I think he fits really what they do. I think he's a good passer. They needed a, a big, versatile athlete similar to Jeremy Grant. I love it for them. And also, like the West is so murky with regards to like who you think is going to win it. Uh, like, do you feel comfortable picking the Clippers to win it? Like, I don't feel comfortable picking the Clippers to win the West. Uh, the Lakers obviously are vulnerable with their health. And so why not like go after it? And I, I mean, I think the jazz have been, have been a wonderful team. They still have to prove it. And this is a team that was in the Western conference finals last year. And they have the odds on favor for the MVP. I mean, like, I'm really glad that they went for it. To me, this was the best trade of yesterday. Yeah, and I, I agree with you for that point that the reason why this trade should go first in this in this draft of trades is because it was the most impactful trade for this season um, and going forward. And I think if you did have a concern, the concern would be there's going to be some major luxury tax ramifications coming up for the Nuggets. Yeah. If if this works out, which that would be a good thing, but It'd be if great. They, yeah. it would be great. But if they have to pay Michael Porter Jr. and Aaron Gordon's next contract they're getting into a level of luxury tax hell that they've never really been in. And the Nuggets are always talked about as this team that, you know, they really don't want to go into the luxury tax. I did look it up, though. They did. They were in the tax for three seasons during that Carmelo run back in the mid-2000s yeah. when they did get as far as the Western Conference Finals. Now, the luxury tax is much different than it was back then, and this would be super expensive if you ended up 
maybe not maxing out Aaron Gordon, but Michael Porter Jr. is probably going to get close to a max, if not a yeah, max. For sure. And Aaron Gordon's going to get, you know, 20 plus million. That is going to be really expensive. But again, if they're paying that, that means it worked out. So it means they're very, yes, I, I it means they're good. And if you, if you're good, you're paying luxury tax. Like that's how it goes. Right. So I'm, ex- I'm so excited for this because I, I love Aaron Gordon as a player. I, I am one yeah. of those people that am still very in on Aaron Gordon. I never loved the way he was used in Orlando. And I just think this is a really great opportunity for him. So I'm excited to see what he does. Agreed. Okay. So for my first pick, this is the one I, I thought you might go with because I think without this trade, what we are talking about in terms of Orlando doesn't really matter. You know, the Aaron Gordon trade for me is more about what happened with Denver. The Nikola Vucevic trade is more about what happened with Orlando because Orlando making that trade and making it first, I mean, that was the first kind of salvo in trade deadline day yesterday. Oh, yeah. Was such a big deal. So they get Wendell Carter Jr., Otto Porter, a 2021 first that is top four protected from the Bulls and a 2023 first that is unprotected. And then Chicago gets Nikola Vucevic and Al Farouk Amino. This trade, you know, if they had just done the Aaron Gordon trade and the Evan Fournier trade, I would honestly still feel the same way about (laughs) Orlando that I did two days ago. Right. This was a really important piece of that. And it was really interesting. I went on a pinstripe post, which is an Orlando Magic blog, and I was reading, reading through the comments just to see what their fans are thinking. And I was surprised how negative it was just about the day overall for Orlando. So if you look at their total return, they got three firsts, two seconds, RJ Hampton and Wendell Carter Jr. And you can make the case that maybe that's not enough. When it comes to the first, you know, one of those firsts is going to be, or the best first I think is that 2023 Chicago unprotected. Yeah. Because that is the year after Zach Levine's free agency. So if things don't work out with Chicago and Zach Levine decides to sign somewhere else, all of a sudden that becomes a blue chip pick. Mm -hmm. So I think there's still upside to what they got back even recognizing maybe it's not everything Orlando Magic fans thought they were going to get. I mean, we were talking just a few weeks ago about, you know, any deal for Vooch is going to require, you know, maybe three firsts. So maybe you feel bad for that reason. But I just thought this was a very important deal from Orlando's side to move forward, get off that treadmill. It's such an awesome season for this to happen to them because of this draft coming up. And they're already in such great position. It's not like... They were hovering around that 7 to 10 range this whole time and then decided to do this and now have to lose a ton of games. Like they're going they're already there. Like they're already in that in that bottom 5. And so I just loved what Orlando did yesterday and the Vooch deal was the most important piece of that. Yeah. No doubt. The only thing I don't love about it is I wish we could have seen Vucevic end up on a team like Boston where it's like okay, this is something that really matters. I, I just want to see what he can do. Now he's just kind of on a similar type of team, like this kind of middling Eastern Conference team. Like, what are they going to do? Are they going to be that much better? Like, probably, but then defensively, what are they? I don't know. Like, I I just feel like it's the same kind of situation for Vooch. He's probably playing with the best players ever played with in Zach Levine. Cool. Like, still, like, I, Zach Levine's been great. He's had a great season. I just, it just doesn't, I don't know, that part of it doesn't do a lot for me. Yes, I love what Orlando did. I just wish we could have seen him on a team that matters because I think Vucevic is really good, but he's still going to be probably first round and out if they make the playoffs, right? Right, yeah, I, I don't disagree. I From Chicago's perspective, I, I guess I liked it, and I totally understand why Bulls fans are excited given the history of recent Bulls. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, I don't think this necessarily raises their ceiling to like become a contender next year. Like, I still see them in kind of that six to eight range um, going into next season. So, yeah, I'm a little lukewarm on it, I guess, from the bull side, and I'm more focused on the magic side. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I like I I do like it for that for those reasons. Okay, the next trade I'm going to take. I'm going to take George Hill to the Sixers. For, oh, for my second pick. That's a, that's a smart guy pick. <laughs> is it? <laughs> uh, George Hill is just the kind of player that they need. They don't need somebody using a ton of possessions because they have three guys 
that I think need the ball and need to be able to score for that team. What they needed was somebody that could come in and set the table, still play defense, and hit open threes. And, like, that's exactly what George Hill does. And to me, he's he's just the perfect fit next to Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, and Joel Embiid. Uh, I, I love it for them. He's a good, he's a really good leader. He's a really good locker room guy. And he's, I, I, I just absolutely love it for them. I think he's going to add a lot to what they do. And I think he's had all this time to rest uh, because he hurt his thumb. Uh, he's out of the cast. I think that he'll be ready to go pretty soon. And, you know, the Thunder have kind of helped heal him up for them and just pass him along to them. I think it's a great situation. Uh, for everybody, and I, I thought of the Sixers as definitely a contender, and they just needed something else, and they didn't have to give up anything. They didn't give up any future pieces, really, to get there, uh, and they got a player that is going to very much help them. They gave up Tony Bradley and two second-round picks. Like Those are not impactful, and then Terrence Ferguson, obviously a guy that was not playing for them. So I think it's a wonderful deal. Uh, New York gets in there. They get to see if Terrence Ferguson's got anything. And uh, my guess is that he will just uh, sit on the bench with their other young guys. <laughs> wow. right. um, and then the Thunder, they they basically they get two second-round picks for a guy that really wasn't playing for them and wasn't going to play for them. Uh, the the mystery of Austin Rivers is still so intriguing to me. Like I, I really hope he gets to wear a Thunder uniform. I, I just think that would would be wonderful in so many ways. Uh, and then they get like just a, a big guy, Tony Bradley. What is he? Probably just a bench big, maybe more. We'll see. But I, I really love it for Philly. I, I think that this is uh, this is a good year to be going for it if you have a really good team. And I think Philly does. And I think he just he just bolsters that mix. Yeah, I think this was a great fallback option when the Kyle Lowry deal ended up not working out. Because I think we both agree that Lowry is better than George Hill and would be a better fit and takes the Sixers, gives them a higher ceiling. Sure. Um, but George Hill, like you mentioned, still fills a lot of the roles that they're looking for. And I think if you look big picture at the two deals that the Sixers have done with the Thunder this year, I really think the Sixers came out ahead. Like they end up giving up a first and two seconds, but they got off of Al Horford's contract, which is really important for their long-term financial flexibility. And they got back two playoff performers in Danny Green and George Hill. So I think both of those moves together were really good for the Sixers going forward. Okay, for my next trade that I'm going to draft here, I'm going with the Norman Powell trade. Okay. So this was the deal where uh, my hometown Portland Trailblazers got Norman <laughs> Powell and the Toronto Raptors got Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood. Now, I'm thinking about this mostly from Portland's point of view um, because they are in the mix right now. They have Nurkic coming back. It makes sense that they would make an upgrade for the playoffs. Norman Powell is the best player in this deal, and he adds additional shooting, ball handling, especially to their bench lineups. But I do have some concerns about it. He, he doesn't really address... Some, one of their main issues, which is their size issue, though I will say this was shocking to me. I did not realize Norman Powell had a massive wingspan. Like It's either 6'10 or 6'11. And if you go on basketball reference, he's only 6'3. Yeah. So maybe he, maybe he does help them lengthwise. Mm -hmm. um, but the bigger question related to that is, can you play your five best players at the same time? Can you yep. play that three-guard lineup with Dame, CJ, and Norman Powell? And then you'd probably have Covington and Nurk. Yeah. That sounds like an exciting lineup. I just need to see it to feel good about this because long-term, the big question here is about free agency. Gary Trent Jr. was a controllable contract in that he was going into restricted free agency. No matter what he was going to be offered, the Portland Trailblazers would have been able to match. And he's a, I mean, he's 22. He's a great shooter. He's a solid defender. And he projects to be the sort of guy that you would want to give a lot of money to in restricted free agency. Norm Powell, on the other hand, he has this player option that he is going to opt out of. I mean, Sam Amick in his kind of tr draft or trade deadline reflections article today described him as a player who is known to be in pursuit of a 20 million plus salary in free agency this offseason. And he's unrestricted. So even if the even, you know, we could see a similar deal with like Jeremy Grant, how he left Denver last year to go do his own thing, even though it was the same amount of money. Portland has no control over Norman Powell in this upcoming offseason. So I definitely think they got better for this season. Mm -hmm. But if they don't retain him this summer, 
I do have concerns about what that deal means long term because at that point I would have much rather had Gary Trent Jr. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I think if you're the Blazers, you got to start going for it at some point. And like, obviously, this is not like a, we're really going for it, you know. But I do think that Norman Powell is a significant upgrade as a scorer uh, for them. He, his true shooting percentage he's he's almost sixty five percent true shooting this season. Gary Trent's fifty five. Like that's that's a significant upgrade. Like almost any sort of advanced metric that you look at, like Norman Powell is much, much better player than Gary Trent. They play the same amount of minutes. They almost take the same amount of shots. I mean, Norman Powell only takes one more shot per game uh, than Gary Trent. And the scoring, uh, he scores five more points per game. Uh, and I think that he just, he plays with more ferocity than Gary Trent does. I think it's a, I think it's a much bigger upgrade. He's a better free throw shooter. He gets to the free throw line more. I think I do think that this raises their ceiling a little bit more than what Gary Trent could have. Yeah, there's going to be a there's some contract stuff that certainly is not in favor of of the Blazers, but I mean, if you want to have a good team around Dame, I think that this is one way to do it. And I also think that like Norman Powell will be a more valuable trade chip moving forward too. If you want to get in on something else, I think Norman Powell could help you get there more than Gary will. So I overall like this better for them, and obviously. This is good for Toronto too because they want to get younger. There's a there. Gary Trent is five years younger than Norman Powell, so I think that this it's a good trade for both. It kind of gets each team what they want, and I really do like it for the Blazers. I think the Blazers become a much more versatile um, and a, a scarier team because Norman Powell can re, can get you off the bounce too. So I'm, I'm I really like it for them. Okay, so who did you have next? What was your next trade? My next deal, there's just there's some gross deals in here with regards to like what what we should and shouldn't like. I'll do this. I'm going to take a non-trade. I'm going to take the non-trade of Lonzo Ball because I I just sat back and thought to myself so many times like why in the world do the New Orleans Pelicans want to trade Lonzo Ball? And also, like, why are you using these contracts that you just got? Like, you just extended Steven Adams, and now you're offering Lonzo and Steven just to get off of the contract? I mean, that is just, like, mind-blowing to me. I feel like Lonzo might be one of the few players on that team that fits really, really well with Zion. And it's perplexing to me that they would want to just trade him and not pay him. He's not going to demand a max, right? Well, that's the thing. Like, we all agree the Pelicans have been hugely dis- disappointing this season. But yeah. it's not because of Lonzo Ball. No, no. He has not been the reason. Like, obviously, Eric Bledsoe is the main reason they've been disappointing. And that was no part doubt. of the motivation around this trade deadline to, if you could package Lonzo to get off of that Eric Bledsoe contract. But I just hated that idea. And so I don't really know whether to give the Pelicans credit here because a trade didn't end up working <laughs> out. It feels like they could still let him walk this summer or do like a sign and trade and They've still got let to him just, go. Just re-sign the guy. He's really young. He's really talented. And he's the and, and maybe you can get lucky in the lottery again, or maybe you can make a trade for somebody that makes sense. Uh, or maybe one of those Lakers picks works out down the road. But man, like Lonzo's like one of the things you have going for you. And I completely yes, he's, agree. He's I don't not, get it. Yeah, he's not a star. And that's fine, but he's one of the guys that fills the gaps on everything. Like, he's a good rebounder. He's a good passer. He can shoot it. He defends. I mean, it's just, you, you line all those things up. It's like, like why? Why are you doing this? Like you, your bad roster construction has nothing to do with the skills of Lonzo Ball. Like, stop trying to, like, blame a young guy or not pay him. Like the, the problem is that they extended Steven Adams and that they traded for the bloated contract of Eric Blood. So, like, those are your real problems. Like, go deal with those. Maybe use a Lakers pick to get rid of those because you're not guaranteed to get a player the caliber of Lonzo with those Lakers picks. Yeah, I completely agree. And then looking at this summer's free agency, I mean, there's so many teams where Lonzo could fit and do really well. And the Knicks are the obvious one. We've already heard about the Knicks as an interested suitor around this trade deadline. Yeah. But they're going to have the cap space to make him a big offer. And he's the kind of guy who you can play next to R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly and Julius Randle, and it makes a lot of sense. And it kind of moves them forward on the timeline they're currently on. So I definitely think there's going to be interest. I just hope the Pelicans – pay them like 
he's just worth keeping around. Just pay the man. And also, like I, I mentioned this earlier with Norman Powell, but you don't think Lonzo's going to be flippable after he's got his contract? Like, give me a break. I think there'd be a lot of teams that would like to have him. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of teams that would like to have him. There are a lot of teams that were interested. And with a bigger contract, like maybe he's even more flippable or a contract that extends out longer. So, I mean, I just don't see any real downside to, to bringing him back. And so, even if it was by default, great job, Pelicans. Okay, so for my, uh, my next one, I'm also going to do a non-trade. And it was the non-trade of Kelly Oubre. Okay. Non-trade of Kelly Oubre. <laughs> wow. Is it, is it really that interesting, Andrew? You know I've been obsessed with Kelly Oubre for months now. <laughs> That's your back, boy. Back from when he was briefly on the Oklahoma City Thunder. But I think this was a really interesting decision. First of all, did he have a market? So Ramona Shelburne tweeted, Warriors had several strong offers for Oubre but said no. They value him, still want to make the playoffs, and keep optionality for next year. So the issue with Oubre and why they would want to tr- move him at this deadline is if they don't intend on re-signing him and he leaves, they can't use that salary spot in any other way. It's just gone because mm-hmm. they have so much other money committed. And last night, actually just this last week, feels like this has been rock bottom for the Warriors. Because yeah. Steph is out. Last night they get destroyed. After the game, they asked Kelly Oubre if he'd be okay with coming off the bench next season. He basically said, I can offer a lot more than coming off the bench. (laughs) And (laughs) this was kind of, this was a surprising answer because Steve Kerr, he was on radio just the day before and said that if Oubre did return, he'd be backing up Clay and Andrew Wiggins. So it seems like there are two competing thoughts about what's going to happen if Oubre did come back next season, which makes me think that Oubre is not coming back next season. And if that's the case and there were strong offers out there for him, I think it's really interesting that the Warriors decided to not move him. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's that salary slot that they, because they are so far into the luxury tax, if he leaves, they can't just go replace him with somebody. And that's what makes it difficult. Like, they either have to do a sign-and-trade or they have to just give him a lot of money to come back. And then you have kind of, I mean, it's it, it'll be a weird, a weird uh, predicament for the Warriors. So I, it, 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 is, it is interesting. And you, you'd, feel, you'd feel different about it if the Warriors had made like some great picks at the end of the first round the last couple of years. Or if there, yeah. were any, if there were a couple young guys on this team that you're really excited about. Oh, you don't have Jordan Poole head? Well, he's on my fantasy team, so I got to give a shout out to Jordan Poole. <laughs> I mean, honestly, Jordan Poole is probably the young player most excited about right now on the Warriors. He is, yeah, no doubt. I mean, everything that's going on with James Weissman, well, like now he's going to be their starter for the, the rest of the year, but there was some like variable reporting about whose idea that really was. Was it the front office or was it Steve Kerr? I am just fascinated with what's going on with the Warriors right now, and so much is hinging on Clay Thompson coming back and being Clay Thompson again. It, it's and, and, and then we're not even getting into like everything that happened with like Steve Kerr and Kevin Durant this week, and just this idea that the... The Warriors have been completely unable to get past that season from two years ago, the Kevin Durant's final season. They've just been, these last two seasons have just been miserable for them. They have not been able to break through. And so now they're again resting all their hopes on next season. This is the when we're finally going to get past that Kevin Durant season and get back to our core of Clay, <laughs> Steph, and Draymond. And you just wonder, is it ever going to happen? Or are they just kind of doomed to repeat this? Well, and then and then maybe one of the more interesting things that you didn't even mention is this Wolves pick of this next draft. Like, there's yeah, a lot they that hinges on it. that. Yeah, if they don't get it, and then they get next year's. But like, what if the Wolves do get Cade Cunningham, and the Wolves become like a team that gets like the 14th or 13th pick, and then like that pick that seemed like so great, it just becomes like this meh. You know, I mean, there's just there's a lot a lot hinging on the next you know 14 months. For this team. Yeah, because if you're being optimistic about the Warriors, you say, okay, what if they get the Wolves pick? They're going to have their own pick, which at this point may be around like 15. They're going to yeah. have James Weissman. Like they could put together a package for basically any star at that mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. And so that's the optimistic take on the Warriors right now if you're looking for some hope. But man, a lot is hinging on that Minnesota pick because that is like the blue chip asset that is out there for them. And it's just going to be ping pong balls that decide it. 
Right. Ping pong balls, and they already passed on LaMelo in this last right. draft, right. and that feels like a mistake at this point. And there, yeah, there's just there's a lot going on. They're light years ahead. Maybe we just don't see it. All right, Alex, one last one, and we just have to mention it because, one, there's a big name in it, and then, two, there's, there's, a, there's a big old owner mixed up in this one, too. It's Victor Oladipo to Miami. So this is the trade. This is it. This is all we get. Victor Oladipo goes to Miami. Houston gets Kelly Olenek, Avery Bradley, a 2022 first-round pick swap that is lottery-protected. They lottery-protected the pick swap, which basically means you get nothing. Because nothing. I mean, Houston's going to be they're, – they're not swapping with them in that year. It's, it's just not going to happen. So you basically get two expiring contracts. It's nothing. It's a big, fat nothing. It's a wild deal. And honestly – what happened yesterday isn't even the worst part because I didn't think Oladipo was going to get a ton in a trade because he's an expiring contract. He's not just an expiring contract. He's a guy who's expecting to get paid this summer. So any team that's trading for him has to be really confident both in their ability to retain him, but also their willingness to pay him. So I wasn't even shocked by the return. It's more about the implications for the hardened trade more broadly speaking, because they had the opportunity to get guys like Jared Allen and Karis LeVert, and they made the decision to trade and get Victor Oladipo. And at the time, I didn't really understand why they were doing it, but I think the the case that was being made was, well, Oladipo's a former all-star. He's a potentially better asset. We're going to get more for him when we do trade him. But there was also these whispers that like, did they just do this because it's going to be an awesome salary dump? Right. And now, after seeing the end game, I'm starting to believe that more and more. Like it, it, it better be like that. Better <laughs> you hope that that's the thought process behind it because it 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 ends up being a part of the hardened trade that just looks really bad. Because if you tried, I mean, let's just say like it was possible to trade Victor Oladipo for Karis Levert and Jared Allen, like it'd be just be a big fat no. Even with a first round pick, it'd be just like yeah, no. Like we wouldn't do that. Right. And so, like, they clearly got the worst assets in the deal because even if you brought Karis LeVert back and he did, he would still be having the surgery. He'd still be coming back in this next week. You could flip Karis LeVert at the draft for probably something pretty nice uh, instead of just nothing, instead right. of just a menu at, at one of the restaurants. Like, just like, come on. Like, this is, this is wild. And so, big picture. Like why I found this one so interesting, especially from a Thunder perspective, is have the Houston Rockets done enough to change the meaning of the phrase, quote unquote, the hardened trade? Have they gotten to the point? Now, we still have to see what happens with the Brooklyn Nets pick, but I do think there's a scenario in the future where when someone brings up the hardened trade, you will have to ask which one (laughs) when talking about which one was worse. (laughs) Yeah, I think if the Nets go on to win the title... That will, that phrase will definitely be true. If the Nets flame out, let's say they go out in round two or something, and things just kind of fizzle, and Kyrie wants out, whatever, you know, like that's certainly possible. But if the Nets go on to win the NBA title, and this is all that they got for James Harden, uh, it's pretty wild. Apparently, just every trade involving James Harden just has to be bad for the other side. Like it's just inevitably you never bad. trade him. Never, never trade James Harden. All right, Andrew. Well, that was the trade deadline, but now it's time to celebrate some birthdays. Blow out the candles, get your cake, and eat it too. It's the birthday bash. It's your birthday. Somebody in here, it's your birthday. It's your birthday. Somebody in here, it's your birthday. It's your birthday. Everybody move like it's your birthday. birthday. We had some guys who had birthdays during trade deadline week. I'm going to give you two guys who had birthdays this week. You're going to tell me which guy is younger. You've been on a hot streak the last two weeks, four out of five each week. Can you keep the momentum, Andrew? I don't know. (laughs) We'll see. Okay. First one, Gordon Hayward, Facundo Campazzo. Oh, my God. What a weird one. Uh, I'll say Campazzo is younger. Ooh, you get it. Campazzo turned 30 this week. Gordon Hayward turned 31. All right, next one. Kyrie Irving, Quinn Cook. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, I'll say Kyrie's younger. That is incorrect, Andrew. Kyrie turned 29 this week. Quinn Cook celebrating his 28th birthday. All right, next on the list, Taryn Prince, TJ McConnell. TJ McConnell is younger. That is also incorrect, Andrew, by two years. Oh, no. TJ McConnell turned 29. And Taryn Prince is 27. Ouch. Oh, it's a rough week, but you can you can come back these last two. You can get above 500. Kyle Lowry, Marco Bellinelli. These are really difficult this week. I've never thought about the age of some of these guys. Uh, I'll say... Oh, gosh. <laughs> I feel like both answers are wrong. Uh, I'll say Marco Bellinelli is younger. Well, if both answers are wrong, Andrew, what does that mean? It means they're the they're same the age. They're the same age. No. Marco Bellinelli is 35. Right. Kyle Lowry is 35. You were almost there. You almost figured oh. it out. No. And for our last one, we're jumping in the time machine. And I hope it has high ceilings because these are two tall guys. Marcus Camby, Sean Bradley. Oh. Sean, uh, Marcus Camby's younger. Oh, and you save it at the end, Andrew. You are correct. Marcus Camby turning 47 and Sean Bradley turning 49. But only two out of five this week on the birthday bash. Ouch. All right, we're going to take a quick break. But after that, we're going to talk some Detroit Pistons. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay, Andrew, it is that time once again. Time for the Wheel of Fandom, the segment every week where we spin a digital wheel. It chooses a team and we become super fans of that team for the next week. And last week, the Wheel Fandom chose the Detroit Pistons, currently 12 and 31, 24th in offensive efficiency, 16th in defensive efficiency. Last week, the Pistons went one and two, got a big win over the Houston Rockets, then lost to Chicago and the Indiana Pacers. So Andrew, if the Wheel Fandom chose the Detroit Pistons, who is our guest today? I think most people would not be excited to hear about the Detroit Pistons because they've been pretty miserable this year. But I, for one, am very excited, and it's because we get to bring on one of my favorite beat writers to talk to, James Edwards. James, what's up, man? Andrew, Alex, appreciate you guys having me on, man. Yeah, I'm sorry that the wheel fell on the Pistons. I, I apologize <laughs> to you guys and your listeners. No, 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 this is great. I love it. I love I love player development. I love the draft. I, I love you and what you do. you got to go check out James' podcast. It's called the the Bun and Cardigan Show. So go check yep. that out. Uh, really, really fun podcast. Thank uh, you, thank you. First question I have is about Jeremy Grant. So they signed Jeremy Grant to a pretty big deal in the summer. He comes in. I mean, we we watched Jeremy Grant grow before our eyes in Oklahoma City uh, mm-hmm. from a player that was like very fringe of the roster type of guy, and then became a starter. And then he continues to just grow and grow and grow. Uh, and now he should, to me, he should be like front runner for most improved player. He's been that good for the Detroit this year. Um, yeah. But what are your, what were your initial thoughts uh, the day of like the signing of Jeremy? And then how, how different do you feel about him today? Yeah. Um, overarching thoughts was, so obviously with the way that the schedule was, the calendar was set up, draft week led into free agency week. So the Pistons spent the first four days of that week trading Luke Kennard, Bruce Brown, adding more draft picks. It's like, okay, they're finally – they've needed to embrace a full rebuild for a long time, and it's finally happening. And then the first day of free agency happens, and they sign Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumley. So you're kind of like, oh, gosh, is this the same revolving door where they're just going to end up with the eighth seed? Right. 
Um, I was a Jeremy Grant fan in Denver. Um, I remember tweeting like, "How much would you give Jeremy Grant in the off season?" Like I was, I think I was like at eighteen. Like I for the right team, I didn't think Detroit was the right team. Yeah. Um, and it, it turns out Troy Weaver, who you're familiar with with the OKC from OKC, mm-hmm. um, he has found a way to craft a roster that is bad on, on pace to land a top pick, but is like competitive. And so Jeremy Grant is the focal point of that. Like you look at the Pistons record 12 and 31, like, yeah, they're terrible. But if you look at like their, the worst teams in the last 10 years, like they have one of the better kind of point differentials in, in recent, like they play hard. Every game goes down to the wire. The indie game went down to the wire. I believe Chicago did too. Um, they beat the Lakers. They've took the Lakers to overtime. They've beaten the Nets. So it's a weird team. But Jeremy Grant is a focal point of that. They go as he goes. And I didn't think he'd be able to create his own shot as regularly as he does. And I've used this analogy a few times. And we've talked about length. Like, that's one of the appeals of Jeremy Grant is length. But defensively is what we talk about. But offensively, what he has with his length, he makes up for with not, like, his natural ball handling. And, like, one or two dribbles, he's past you. And when he gets in the air, he's so long and – can kind of he's skinny he can bend his he's very noodly i like to use and he can just finish above guys and he he gets past guys because he's so long shooting is kind of stayed the same on more volume defensively hasn't really slipped at all so he's he's just the top guy doing what he's done on uh, at least in denver just at a more i guess uh you're seeing more of it and it's i think it's a guy that they're going to build around going forward and it's good to have guys like that even when you're bad somebody that's good that you can kind of point to the young guys like, hey, this guy developed in year seven. Uh, yeah. Look at what he's doing now. One one follow up, and then we'll throw to Alex. But what were the what was up with the trade rumors with Jeremy? Was that just like wishful thinking on other franchises' behalf, or like did Detroit actually like consider trading him? That was uh, Danny Ainge doing what I almost <laughs> got you a star. Yeah, that was, th- okay. that was one of those. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, if you listen to the, the, if you pay attention to the rumors, I I don't remember anybody else out there being out there except Boston, and the Pistons played Boston. They're actually two and one against Boston this year. They played Boston the last time a few weeks ago, and their broadcast team was like, yeah. Uh, he can be had for three first, like, but like boosting up their fan base. Like Danny was behind them. Like, no. tell them, like yeah. <laughs> and that's what it was. And Troy came out and said, we had talked to him two weeks ago. He's like, nobody's untouchable. He's like, if somebody comes and offers me five firsts, yeah, I, I'm not going to lie to you and say I wouldn't do it. But he's like, there are guys that are going to be here for a long time and nobody was going to offer five good firsts for Jeremy. Like what the Celtics had to offer were picks in the twenties. Mm-hmm. And that's just not worth it for what you know, Jeremy is and can be in comparison to what guys in the 20s usually end up being. So shifting to some of the other guys who might be on this roster long-term, one thing I noticed while watching the Pistons this week was that their young guys weren't getting as many minutes as I would have thought for a team with 12 wins. So just as an example in that Pacers game, Isaiah Stewart only plays 19 minutes, Saban Lee plays 7, Dennis Smith Jr. 15, Sekou 8. Outside of Sadiq Bey, who's regularly getting 30-plus minutes a game, I didn't get the impression that getting those young guys' minutes was a top priority necessarily. Is that an unfair assessment? And if it is fair, do you think that's going to change as the season goes on? I think for some – I don't think it's an unfair assessment. I, I do think you maybe caught a bad a bad game in that regard. Um, Isaiah Stewart has had games in the 20s. Like, he's probably been – I mean, Sadiq's been the most impressive, but Isaiah's been right there. And they just signed Tyler Cook to a 10-day. So – He's cutting into some of the big guys' minutes just to, so they can get a look at him. Saban Lee's a development guy. They didn't – I mean, if there was a G League this year, he would have been there the entire year. So now they end up acquiring Dennis Smith Jr., and they have a couple more weeks to look at him. So that's where those minutes are coming from, mm-hmm. uh, cutting into Saban's. And then Killian will be back soon. He'll return as the starter, I believe. Um, Sekou's in a different boat because he's another guy – that if there was a G League, he would be there. He's just still so raw. Like, I think he he's not the youngest player in the league anymore, but he's only 19, or he just turned 19 or just turned 20. He's only played basketball for seven years. So they don't – they try to put him out there, but they don't really want to put him on, out there and have him kind of struggle. And they don't want to put him in a bad position. So there are, there are some fans that think the young guys should be playing, like, high 20s, low 30s. I get that philosophy, but I also get the philosophy of throwing Wayne Ellington out there, letting Sadiq see what he should do, uh, throwing – well, they had DeLon and, and Derek, throwing them out there, letting Saban 
and and Dennis Smith Jr. watch them and observe them. I I think there are different ways to go about it. I I do think Isaiah's minutes though were lower than usual in that Indiana game. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so still sticking with the young guys, we have come up with our consensus slam and jam power rankings for all the uh, Pistons young players. And so we've mm-hmm. separated all their 22 and under guys into five different tiers. Uh, and we want to just know, are we underrating or overrating some of these guys? Uh, so tier one, we have their 2021 first round pick because we don't really think that there is a tier one guy on the That's Pistons fair. right now. Uh, tier two, we have Sadiq Bay and kind of the mystery of Killian Hayes there because he kind of projects to be a tier two type of guy. Uh, Tier three, we have Isaiah Stewart and our guy Hamadou Diallo. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tier four, Saban Lee on his own. And then tier five, uh, Sekou Dimboya, Frank Jackson, and then Davidas, I don't know how to say his name. Davidas Servidas. Yeah, I don't know how to say his name either. Thank you. I wouldn't worry about that one. I'm actually surprised he made that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we can get into the we can get into the whole Servita situation, but I don't want to bore your listeners. Uh, there's a lot of nepotism going on with that one. Oh, interesting. Uh, so, what are your thoughts on that list? Uh, are, are we undervaluing or overvaluing anybody? I would actually. Um, well, I, so I have a question. Like, what's the criteria for young players? Because Josh Jackson's still only 24. Um, we specifically okay. kept it to just 22 and under. 22 okay, and under. I was yeah. just curious about that. Okay, um, I would actually flip Isaiah and Killian. Really? Okay. As I love, somebody, I, I love that. Yeah, as somebody who's and and that's just simply because Killian only seen seven games and he struggled in those seven games. Yeah. Isaiah Stewart, it's kind of the shock factor, like similar with Jeremy Grant. Like I kind of thought Jeremy would get an All Star nod because coaches would vote for him because of the shock factor. Isaiah was one of those guys that people were like, why did you pick a traditional center at 16? And this guy is, I mean, he's shooting, like he hasn't shot very many threes, but he's shooting 43% on the, I think he's trying to pull up his stats right now, but he's shooting 43%. He's hitting a lot of elbow jumpers. Like he's not just your traditional rim runner activity. Uh, Like, yeah, he's six for 14 on threes. And he really just started shooting them a lot the last few weeks. So like these 14 have probably come in the last two weeks, last three weeks. Um, I think he has the ability to space the floor. I think defensively, you watch him switch out onto guards and he can hold his own because he has really good feet, long arms, a really good offensive rebounder. The only, excuse me, the only thing going against him is he doesn't have great lift. So like as a shot blocker, a lot of it's going to have to be knowing where to be, positioning, using his long arms. Uh, But I think Isaiah, when he got drafted, I kind of penciled him in as a longtime backup center. I think Isaiah has a real possibility to be a solid starting center in the NBA for a long time. Not like I don't I'm not going to say he's going to be bomb out of bam out of bio, but I definitely could see like a poor man's bam with the way he can shoot the ball. I think his playmaking will open up because teams will respect him as a shooter. And then he just play, if you watch him, he plays harder than anybody maybe in the NBA. Yeah, yeah. He's, he, he was so one of my favorite guys at the more, draft. Yeah, he he's so much more versatile than I thought he was going to be because I remember Same going here. to the draft. Me and Andrew actually got an argument about Isaiah because I thought where the Thunder were picking at the end of the first round, he was one of those guys where it's like, I know what he's going to be in the NBA. He's assured of a a long-term role in the NBA. Why not just go for something that feels definite? Turns out he goes way before that. And the reasons why I was excited about him are still there, but there's also so many more aspects to his game that I just didn't realize. I mean, I think we saw him hit two threes in these last three games, and both of them looked great. I mean, he had yeah. one against the Pacers. It was like a pip and, pick and pop where he was at the top of the key and just looked very smooth. And then we heard this week something you tweeted out from Dwayne Casey saying that they might actually try him at the four as well. And so if that's possible, that just opens up his versatility even more. I think that's preparing for um, the possibility of getting Evan Mobley. I think yeah. they're oh. they're trying to work that work that in now. Um, yeah, no, I think that's I'm with, I was with you. Um, I I didn't really scout Isaiah Stewart heavy because the Pistons just had one pick until draft day, and then they acquired two more. So my focus was kind of on like on the Lamelos and the Killians with the number seven pick. But one thing that I've learned since then with Isaiah is at Washington they played a zone, so you really didn't get to see what he could do defensively, and he really didn't get 
to show his offensive skill set. I think the system he played in in college, and for Troy Weaver, he worked. I forget the um, Washington's head coach, Washington's head coach's name off the top of my head, but he worked with Troy Weaver at Syracuse, so they had a relationship. And obviously, do your homework, and it was very prevalent to uh, to uh, Troy that he could do more. I actually heard a funny story from a, a source in the front office that said everybody wanted Anyeka Kangwu. Uh, going into draft day, and Troy Weaver kind of stood up. He's like, I watch Isaiah Stewart kick his ass. He's like, yeah. sometimes it's just about kicking somebody's ass. And Isaiah Stewart is, I think, he's definitely the fan favorite in Detroit. Like, it, if you know anything about Detroit basketball, he epitomizes it to a T. And the fans, even though there's not many in the building, on social media, he's clearly the uh, the front runner to be the kind of the mascot of the Pistons for the at least the next few years. Yeah, he's a beast. And he was a five-star recruit coming yep. out of high school, too. So, like, he's a very well-known guy coming out. I think he, he played near Chicago. I think he's an Indiana guy. but um, Yeah, he uh from Buffalo, but he went to La Lumiere okay. uh, after yeah, right. one or two years in Buffalo. Yeah. Yeah, he's – yeah, I, I, I love him. I think he's going to be – I think he's going to be great for the Pistons for a long time. I agree. Um, So, looking forward now – I'm kind of interested in your perspective on what you think the Pistons' plan is going forward because there was a report earlier this week from Shams that the Pistons were one of the teams that had interest in Oladipo. And the other two teams that were mentioned, Miami and New York, made sense. We had heard those names before. But seeing Detroit in that report really confused me and made me question what that might mean for Detroit's plans going forward into the summer and their long-term trajectory. Do you see them as a team that will try to aggressively accelerate this rebuild in the near future, or will they be more content with a slower rebuild? It's a great question. Um, so in terms of the Oladipo thing, I, I do think they kicked the tires on it. I don't think it was something that, again, you saw what Miami got for them. They weren't willing to give up anything, weren't willing to give up much. Um, and I and I was kind of against it when I heard it, just because I, I think they should try to do their best to get a a top five pick and Aladipo, if healthy, probably, especially with Orlando getting worse, um, OKC with Shea going down, like there's going to be some teams that are going to be tussling. So I, I wasn't for that, but I do, if you look at kind of Troy's path since he's taken over, he's from the DMV area, Sadiq Bay, DMV, Jeremy Grant, DMV. Um, I'm missing, there's, there's another one. So he has connections with players, and that's part of the reason that the Pistons brought him in. Like, he's very, very plugged in. I think for Oladipo, they just wanted to kind of see what would happen. Maybe if he signed long-term for cheap, they would do it. Because I think they genuinely like the core young players they have. And I still think that they're one more top five pick away from, like, if they get if they get a Cade or Mobley or Kaminga or Green or Suggs this uh, draft, I think then you should just start building the pieces around because you have maybe we'll say Cade. Maybe they get number one, they get Cade. You have Killian, you have Sadiq who's shown stuff, Isaiah Stewart who's shown stuff. You have Jeremy Grant. That's five promising guys. And then you can kind of just build around them and let that team grow and whatever happens, happens. Um, I think that's going to be the plan. I don't think they're going to like cash in their chips. I, I think Troy genuinely sees these guys as like the Pistons going forward. Now, what could accelerate it is if they get Cade, Sadiq develops more, Isaiah just go down the line with the, with the guys that they got, um, then you maybe see them spend some money in free agency to add a, a shooting guard or, or something like that and, and let the chips fall where they may. Because at that point, you have four, five, six young guys that are still the core of your team. So they went heavy in this draft, a draft that many people at the time didn't see guys that could be maybe pillars of a franchise and if you just look at it Sadiq looks legit Isaiah looks legit and they have the utmost confidence in Killian uh so I, I do think they are like one top five pick away of course if it pans out from just kind of all right this is our core going forward let's see what happens are you struggling to close deals b2b selling is tougher than ever and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn sales navigator LinkedIn Sales Navigator is a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals, and show you hidden allies so that you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. 
Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash show 23 That's linkedin.com slash show 23 for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash show 23 and get started. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, James. Well, now it is time for Andrew versus the Beat, the game show where we put Andrew up against a beat writer for whoever the Wheel of Fandom chose. Of course, this week it was Detroit Pistons. And so Andrew will be going against James Edwards. So how this is going to work is I have eight questions about the Pistons. These are all trivia questions about current Pistons, past Pistons, no future Pistons. And you are going to choose a number between one and eight. That will correspond to a trivia question. It could be a very easy question. It could be a very difficult question. If you get it right, you'll get two points. If you get it wrong, Andrew will have a chance to steal for one point. We'll go back and forth until all eight questions have been answered. So, James, we'll start with you. Give me a number between one and eight. Four. Four. Oh, my favorite question. (laughs) The Pistons were not the first professional basketball team to play in Detroit after they moved from Fort Wayne in 1957. In fact... Prior to the Pistons, four different professional basketball teams had played in Detroit at one time or another. Which of the following was not one of those four teams? Detroit Gems, Detroit Eagles, Detroit Falcons, Detroit Beavers, or Detroit Vagabond Kings? The Eagles. The Eagles. That is incorrect. Mm. Andrew, you have a chance to steal. Which of these was not one of those teams that had played in Detroit? The Gems, the Falcons, the Beavers, or the Vagabond Kings? I'll go Falcons. Also incorrect. No. <laughs> Let's go. Is the, it the one Beavers? I put in there was the Beavers. The Detroit Beavers was not correct. <laughs> I wish I could That's, have thought up Vagabond Kings and put that I was in. Say, as a that, fake that had to be true. See, <laughs> I thought be- I thought Beavers. I was like, there is no way in hell the city of Detroit let one of their teams be called Beavers. But it seemed too obvious uh, <laughs> that I just went with the Eagles. Okay, Andrew, it's your chance. One through eight. Let's go two. All right, question number two. Rashid Wallace was well known for racking up technical fouls during his career, setting the record for most techs in a single season with 41. For his career, though, Sheed only ranks third in most technical fouls. Name one of the two NBA players who accumulated more technical fouls in their career than Rashid. DeMarcus Cousins. Incorrect. James, you have a chance to steal. Charles Oakley. Also incorrect. You got Charles right. It was Charles Barkley and Uh, Carl Malone. Carl Malone. Interesting. It's because of that longevity, I guess. Although I don't think of Carl Malone as a guy who got a lot of texts. No, me either. Okay, James, it's your chance. What number would you like? Let's go three. All right, number three. Which former Piston once had a game in which they didn't make a single shot from the field, but Rip still... Hamilton. Oh, wow. Didn't even finish the question. James already got it. <laughs> because I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to do a story on that. And oh, I've really? i researching it lately. Yeah. It's so crazy. That's a great so, question. He, he didn't make a single shot from the field, but he still led the Pistons in scoring. He yeah, was, like 17, right? Yeah, 0 of 10 from the field, 14 of 14 from the line. <laughs> wow. I'm hoping that the guys remember that. Um, yeah, if if I can only get rip, I'm going to do it. But that's when I first learned of that, I was like, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard of. <laughs> Against Memphis, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wild stat line. Okay, Andrew, you're now down two to zero. Seven. Number seven. Question number seven. In January 2016, Andre Drummond set the record for most missed free throws in a game with 23. Whose record did Andre Drummond break? Uh, Shaquille O'Neal. That is incorrect. James, you have a chance to steal. 
I don't know, big country. Uh, <laughs> Re- <laughs> big country. Reeves? Shout what out to Brian Reeves. Brian Reeves, yeah. <laughs> Uh, that is also that's, incorrect. That's Andrew's going to be mad that he didn't get this because this is our weekly Wilt Chamberlain trivia question. Is it really? No. <laughs> if it's a history question, what? the answer is always Wilt Chamberlain. No. <laughs> that's crazy. I didn't know that. All right, James. We have a few questions left. Six. Number six. This former Piston has the franchise record for most triple doubles with 27. The next closest player has five. Grant Hill. That is correct for two points. James is now in the lead four to zero with only three questions to go, Andrew. Uh, Number one. Number one. Okay, now this will be a back and forth question, Andrew. Piston sharpshooter Wayne Ellington, currently shooting 43% from three, has played for eight other NBA franchises. We're going to name them all. So we're going to start with Andrew. You're going to give me a team name. Then we'll go to James. He'll give me one and we'll go back and forth. He played for Brooklyn. That is correct. Uh, the Lakers. The Lakers is correct. Andrew, back to you. Where else did Wayne Ellington play? The Knicks. He did play for the Knicks. Correct. Back to James. Dallas Mavericks. That is correct. Back to Andrew. <laughs> I think he played for Miami. He did. You've gotten five of eight. Can you get the last three? Back to James. Memphis Grizzlies. That is also correct. Andrew, there's only two left. Oh, my word. Can you get it? Now, if you guys get all eight, the points will go to Andrew. But if Andrew stumbles here, James will get all two points. I think he played for Minnesota. Andrew, that is correct. That means there's only one left. Now I'm feeling weird that if James got this. Yeah, should I miss it on purpose? I feel like James should should get. Should I miss the front end of the room? Maybe James will get one point and Andrew will get two points if James is able to correctly answer this. (laughs) That's fair. The Cleveland Cavaliers. Wow. Amazing. You guys got all eight teams. That was really impressive. I, impressive. I was not going to pull that Cavs one out. That's more impressive from Andrew. Uh, yeah, I, got, I did a pop quiz actually with Wayne Ellington like two weeks ago. Oh, yeah. really? Yes. So we like went through it. I asked him if you can name every coach he played for. So that was like that. Otherwise, I wouldn't have known Cleveland and, and Memphis if I didn't just do this. So I'm more yeah. impressed with, with you keeping that going. <laughs> all right. We have two questions left. Uh, five. Okay, when Ben Wallace was selected for his first All-Star game in 2003, he became only the second undrafted player in the modern era to make an All-Star game. Who was the other undrafted All-Star? I don't know the answer, but Dennis Rodman got drafted, but my pick is Dennis Rodman. Okay, that is incorrect. Andrew, you have a chance to steal. Was John Starks ever an All-Star? I don't know. John Starks. Andrew, that is correct. Wow. For one point. Okay, Andrew, we are down to the final question. If you get this correct, you will have tied James. Now, you can't get a win, Andrew. You're probably never going to win this game, but you could get a tie. That'd be a big moment for you. I can't let this happen. Okay, Andrew, last question. There is only one Piston to ever have their own video game. Who is the Piston, and what is the name of that video game? Um, I'll say Isaiah Thomas. And give me a video game name, Andrew. Make one up. <laughs> Isaiah Thomas, big time b-ball man. <laughs> great guess, great guess. That is unfortunately incorrect. James, any guesses? Joe Dumars is... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Come on, you got to keep going. Joe Dumars is Little Rock. <laughs> yes. Spectacular yes. basketball event video game. I don't oh know. my yes, gosh, yes, James yes. gets it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, the correct answer was Bill Lambeer's Combat Basketball. I don't remember that, but I almost said Bill Lambeer. Really? What really? year? Bill Lambeer's Combat Basketball, a game where Bill Lambeer has become the commissioner and has created a new version of basketball where you can use weapons. It's called Combat Basketball. And I actually found an oral history of this, and I wanted you to just read you this sentence. Because they were talking about how weird it was for Bill Lambeer to get his own game. They were saying, you know, there was Jordan versus Bird, Magic versus Bird, Jordan versus Magic, and even Bird versus Bird. This was a game that was supposed to star Larry Bird against various Larry Birds from alternate dimensions, but was never released in the United States because it was also the name of a banned cockfighting simulator. So just some video game history for you there. What? What That's system is this insane. on? Uh, Bill Lambeer's Combat Basketball is on Super Nintendo, if you want to go pick it up. 
Of course, the the greatest the greatest console ever, Super Nintendo. Uh, yes. Wow. Okay, you so guys, James you guys James wins it like this three week. Story ideas. <laughs> so this is great James wins it this week Andrew versus the beak James wins 5-3 to three, Another loss for Andrew But he'll get it next week We'll see That was impressive though I was I was very impressed That you uh, Three's hard It's Detroit man That's It's there, There's only a few pockets Of good history They were really good But The, the in-betweens Weren't the uh, The easiest to remember <laughs> so crazy James thanks so much for coming on uh, Saturday Slam and Jam be sure to go read all of James's stuff on The Athletic and uh, we'll talk to you soon James no I appreciate you guys having me on and I just want to let you know this podcast is awesome I just aside from me having fun listening to it I've had a blast so this was a great idea and yeah hopefully maybe we can get eight more questions down the line after you go through all the teams I'd love to be back <laughs> thanks so much James. thanks James Appreciate you guys. All right. Thank you so much to James. But it is now time to move on to another team, Andrew. It's time to spin the wheel. I believe we have 26 teams left. 25. 25 teams left. Who will it be? Any guesses, Andrew? Any guesses for this week? Oh, give me the Nuggets, please. The Come nuggets. on. All right. I'm very interested in the Warriors. Nuggets. Let's see what we get. <laughs> Spinning the wheel. Last week, we got the Detroit Pistons. Who will we get this week on the Wheel of Fandom? Oh, it will boy. be the Utah, Utah Jazz. Jazz. Oh boy! Okay, we get we get some some chip on our shoulder for next week. Absolutely, best uh, team in the league. That's right, best team, maybe best team ever. We'll have Tony Jones on next week to discuss the Utah Jazz and. Uh, how they're going to win the title, obviously. So, uh, And also maybe some underrated MVP talk. Cannot wait. All right, Alex, thanks so much for being on the show. It's been it's been a great... We've been over a month now with the Slam and Jam, so this has been really fun. Thanks to everybody who's listened and, and helped us out. If you would take the time to retweet our show and then also go to uh, Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review... That would mean a lot to us. We really appreciate that. Make sure that you check out all the other shows on the Athletic NBA show. we got Basketball Buds coming up on Monday, so be sure to listen to that. It's always a good time, especially post-trade deadline. you got to listen to that. Hope you guys have a great weekend. Enjoy your Saturday, and we will talk to you guys again next week. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.